Last Sunday, we celebrated Easter, the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I want to look at the significance of Christ being our mediator so we can have the inheritance that God said belongs to us. You know, as we begin to look at this, I want to read from probably what the, when I was in canonicity and bibliology in school, they said, they said that Job is the, one of the oldest books in the Bible, especially the Old Testament. We find Job in the middle of all of his trouble and stuff. <clears throat> in fact, his wife told him, curse God and die. And his three friends, supposed to be, turned out to be miserable comforters, saying that Job was to blame for all of his problems and God was punishing him. In his despair, Job made the following statement in Job 9:32, and I want to read it from the New King James and then I'm going to read it from the NLT. For he, God, is not a man as I am that I may answer him that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand, his hand on both of us. Now, NLT says, God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there was a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. Here, Job is saying that he needs a mediator to go between him and God. And nobody was available for that. Now, we see many times when you hear in the news that uh, unions and an employer employer cannot get together, they, they have a mediator, somebody that goes between them. You know, the condition of humanity today is about like it was with Job. He, there wasn't a mediator until Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again. Amen. Hebrews 9.15. I'm going to read this from the New King James, the NIV. I, I, I do that because it it says it a little better that we might understand it a little better when I, I, that's why I use different translations, but I read the new King James. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under this first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of, of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, and that, that word could also be translated will, 
there must also be of necessity be the death of the testor or the one that wrote the will. For a testament is in force after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testor lives. Now for this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant for those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance now that he has died and as a ransom to set them free from the sin committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is enforced only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while one, while the one who made it is living. Here we see that Christ became the mediator of the new covenant through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, why did we need a mediator? The word mediator in Strong's Concordance means go-between, a reconciler, intercessor. And And here... Christ became the mediator of the go-between to reconcile God and man. You see, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, he was separated from God. And he was in the same condition that Job was. Job couldn't go to God. That's what it says in the Word anyway. We, in our humanity, could not go to God. We were not worthy to go in his presence. So Christ came as the mediator. And there it says, those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. You know, sometimes you hear of families that have have a falling out and the father, he disowns, disowns them. And there is someone that becomes a mediator between the, the father and the rest of the family that's been disowned and gets them back together again. You see, I want to encourage you today that Christ has reconciled us with the Father through his death, burial, and resurrection. We read the will of God, which is the word of God. This is his will. And we see the significance of Christ's death reconciling us to the Father. The Holy Spirit, you know, inspired by God, men wrote the Bible. Why is a will necessary and why is it important? Well, in the natural, a will is necessary because if there is no will and someone dies, then it has to go through all kinds of court and everybody has to come in and they try to figure out who gets what. But when there is a will, all they have to do is the attorney, they don't have to go to court, brings in all of the family 
and he reads the will. He reads what each one has inherited. Has anybody here ever had that happen in your life? I see several hands are going up. You see, the will is necessary to ensure that what the person that made the will, the will ensures that it will happen. It is a, a will is a legal document. Most of the time, a will has been drawn up in, a, in an attorney's office, and most of the time, it has been notarized, making it a legal document. Everybody hold up your Bible or your device that's got your Bible. You're holding in your hand God's will for you and me. Now, there will not be a formal reading in an attorney's office, but you will read the will for yourself and find out what your inheritance is. You see, Christ's death put the will into effect. You see, here in Hebrews 9.15, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the, of the new covenant by means of death. God intended the believer to live as heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he wants us to receive everything that has been promised to us. That's why in the natural, somebody leaves a will so that the people that the person wants them to receive everything that they say that they want them to have. Here, you see, until Christ's death, the Gentiles were not entitled to the promises and the inheritance. But Christ died for all men and all people to become heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this in Romans eight seventeen. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. And then Galatians three twenty nine. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham sees and heirs according to the promise. Christ, the son of God is the heir. And Jesus said, all things that the father has are mine. In Romans eight seventeen tells us that the believers are also heirs, are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, let, let's read from the NLT. And since we are his children, we share his treasure. Everything God gives to his son, Christ, is ours too. 
Joint heirs in Strong's Concordance says, a participant in common. Joint heirs in Thayer's Greek lexicon, one who obtained something assigned to himself with others, a joint participator. Now, according to Ephesians 3, 6, Christ died both for the Jew and the Gentile could become the people of God. They are fellow heirs or joint heirs. Now look at Ephesians 3, 6, okay? Ephesians 3, 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promises in Christ through the gospel. Now that in NLT said, and this is God's plan, both Gentile and Jew who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of the blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now the Greek word there that's used fellow heirs is the same Greek word that's used as joint heirs. Now, it's this, you see, sometimes we don't really understand why we inherited all of this. You see, we inherited everything because Jesus became the mediator between man and God because we were separated. We were annihilated from God. We could not go to God until we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. Then we had the right, and it tells you in the word, to go into the throne room because you, are, you have been reunited with the Father through Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we talk about this, but I, I'm just trying to, in the simplest way I know how, and that's, I'm not very smart in that, some of this area sometimes, but I did go to school and I did learn some of this. But most people just know, oh, well, we inherited. But they don't go back and see all of how it all come to pass. In the garden, we were separated from God. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, all right, Lord, I will become sin. He didn't sin He took sin upon himself. He took it to the cross and was nailed to the cross. We just celebrated it. They took him down. They put him in a tomb and they said, that's it. It's all over. But on the third day, God said, hey, boys, Mr. Devil and all of your cohorts, let me show you something. And he rolled that stone away and Jesus arose ascended to the father and there took his blood before the father and said, now everyone that is born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is now worthy father to receive the inheritance because I am the mediator. Hello. 
How many of you understand what I'm trying to say to you today? Uh, th at this time, you that are going to be baptized, uh, you need to go and uh, start preparing yourself. And if you haven't been baptized and would like to be water bapti baptized, you can go get an usher. They'll help you get to the same place. And we got some scrubs and some things you can put on so you don't get your clothes all wet. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, the will of God is in effect, this will that you have became in effect when Christ died. That's what it says there. We, we already read it in Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that that person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. When Christ died on the cross, the will came into effect, the new covenant. Hello. In 2003, my father went to heaven. And there was a trust, which is the same thing as a will, had been set up. And it told me what I, that I was the executor and what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to take care of mom and all of her needs until she went to heaven in 2007. And then it said that I was to take anything that was left. It said he had already blessed everybody that he wanted to bless. And whatever was left, I was to divide between my sister and I. We became joint heirs. Okay? Now, when we look at all this, the promises of God are our inheritance. It says it right here, what your inheritance is, right here. Because he hung on the cross, he died, he became the mediator. Now we might look at it in a little different sense. How many of you have read in the old covenant that once a year they had to slay the lamb, put the blood on the mercy seat, put the blood on the scapegoat, and take them and release it into the wilderness as a covering for sin. But when the Lamb of God, Jesus, shed his blood on Calvary's hill, not for the covering of sin, but for the remission of sin, blotting it out once and for all, and the new covenant came into effect. Under the old covenant, it was in effect 
with the blood of the lamb that was put on the mercy seat. That's why when Mary saw Jesus at the tomb, he said, don't touch me. He had to take it to the father first before any, there could be no contamination. So now thanks be unto <laughs> giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. You see, when he took his blood to the father and everybody that is born again, they are qualified to receive the inheritance. Okay, how many of you got a credit card in your pocket? When you got that, there was a little strip on it and said that you had to call in, right? Before you were qualified to use that card. Am I right or wrong? You had the card, but it was no good until you were qualified. The minute Christ died on the cross and shed that blood, Salvation was available. But it wasn't until he took the blood to the throne, to the Father, that we become qualified. It became qualified to redeem us. So all we have to do then is find out what the inheritance that we have qualified for, and it's right here, right here. You know, in Ephesians 1:11 it says, "For furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God." How many times have we read inheritance in these scriptures that I've been reading? Quite a few, right? Is that right? Anybody there? Y'all, or am I preaching to empty seats? We have received an inheritance of God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Now, to find out, you got to read the will. You have to know the will before you can enjoy the benefits of it. Now is the time for us to read the will. Christ is an heir and now he has received from the father everything. That's what he said. We read it back there. He said everything the father has in mind now. And then it, we read where he was an heir and because we are, we are born again through the blood that he shed on Calvary, we have become joint heirs. You see that? Now he's seated at the right hand of the father. Now he has received the name that's higher than any name. Now all things have been put under his feet. Now he has received all authority in heaven and earth. Now he has received the glory he knew before he came to earth. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And now we're entitled to all the will of God. Romans 10, 10. Now we have salvation 
Ephesians 2.14, now we have peace. 1 Peter 2.24, now we have healing. Philippians 4.19, now we have provision. John 16.24, now we can ask in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18, now we are partakers of the glory of God. I've just read a few of these things that says what we are now because we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're not going to be, not hoping to be, not wanting to be, not waiting to be. We are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. All we've got to do is read the will, claim our inheritance, and live according to what belongs to us. Hello? You know what? After I executed that trust, there was something left for me. But you know what? Until I took it and began to use it, it was doing me no good. The inheritance is here until you get in the word and read it and start begin, begin to live in it for yourself, it will do you no good. Heavenly Father, I've talked to these people for a few moments today about what we have because we're in Christ. Our inheritance that you have left to us and I thank you for it. I thank you that we can walk in it, we can live in it and we can enjoy a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Bow your heads, please. I don't like to have a service. I don't give an opportunity for somebody to find Jesus. You can't get in on any of these promises, any of the things that I was talking about until you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you become a part of the family of God. Or you may know what it is to serve, but you have sort of went off course, detoured, and you need to get come back and rededicate your life. Or you might be here today and you say, I, I, I'm a child of God, but I have never been filled with the Spirit. According to Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Anybody on any one of those three invitations, let me see your hand right now. I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you, but I can't do that if I don't know who you are. So downstairs, upstairs, anywhere you're at, if you need Christ, you need to rededicate your life or you need to receive the Holy Spirit, I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand right now. Anywhere in this room, anywhere, upstairs, downstairs, anywhere. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's a hand over here. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? that will raise their hand. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody stand, please. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, I want you to step out in that aisle and come down here so I can shake your hand and pray with you right now. So come on, right now. Come on. Come on. I'm waiting for you. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand, come on. Raise your hand or should have raised your hand. Come on. Jesus is waiting. Raise your hand or should have raised your hand. Come on, right now. 
If you're upstairs, they'll help you get down there. God bless you. Wait right here. Hi there. How are you? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Anybody else want to come? Come on now. Come on now. Right here. God bless you. Praise the Lord. again after today. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, they're standing here. Look here, I got three books. One of them says New Birth. One of them says In Him, telling you who you are in Christ. This tells you about salvation. This says Why Tongues. This tells you about the Holy Spirit. If I said I was going to give these to you and I put them out here, what are you going to do to get them? Somebody show me. You got them. <laughs> Y'all going to get them same books in just a minute. That's just an exercise I do. I can give you a book, but I can't give you the spiritual thing that you need. It comes from heaven on high. So reach one hand toward heaven. I don't care which one. With that hand, you're just say, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm reaching up to get what I came for. Congregation, reach your hands out as you pray, and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that every spiritual need in these lives are met today. Salvation, rededication, filling and impilling of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands down and look at me for just a moment. I want you to go with Greg and Christy to a special place where you can be prayed with individually and in depth, given those three books. Would you just turn and follow them to that place of prayer right now? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Amen.